Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I don't know if you've ever heard Back to the Bible. Uh, I'm a big fan of Warren Wearsby, but they did an eight-year study. I don't want you to miss this. They did an extensive eight-year study, literally of tens of thousands of people all around the world, but specifically in light of Billy Graham's life, the work that he did, and looking at the state of the church in which we now live. I've shared with you before that I've never forgotten, I can still see it being played out, when Billy Graham was on Larry King Live, who now Larry King is now gone, but He was on the show and Larry King asked him late in his life and said, you must be feeling like really successful. Like as you look back on your life, Dr. Graham, you just must be just, as you're getting ready to just breathe your last and and you're wrapping up your final days, which is interesting, he had no idea he was going to live another, if you will, I think another 20 years. But he said to him, just reflecting Tell me, what's it like? And Billy Graham, I've never forgotten, with tears rolling down his cheeks, says, I feel like a failure. He said, I'm I'm guessing that no one in my lifetime has ever seen as many people come to Christ than I. I've literally seen millions. And my world didn't get better, it's gotten worse. There's something unbelievably true to this. And so in light of that, back to the Bible, exhausted literally an incredible amount of time and resources and money to ask themselves, why are people's lives not being changed? What's really the issue that's going on? Why are so many people claiming to be, if you will, Christian, a word that I'm trying to get away from because I, I'm committed to believe, as my friend Ari Ram said, and I've shared that with you before, that it just doesn't mean anything. I don't want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Which is really what the word Christian really is supposed to mean. But in this study, eight years, tens of thousands and thousands of people What is it for the one who seems to have changed and the one who hasn't? And here's what they discovered. They discovered the power of four. You might want to write that down. They discovered the power of four that it isn't prayer that seems to change someone's life. It isn't church attendance. It isn't giving It isn't serving. They couldn't find one thing attached to that that makes a difference of what a person either grows or they don't. It was one fundamental thing. The single most powerful contributor to someone spiritually growing was being in God's word. But I need to help you understand what that means, the power of four. 
in all of their studies, just one thing came back to the ones who really, if you will, seem to truly surrender to Jesus and then grow in their relationship, they would be in God's word four or more times a week. Four or more times a week. The power of four. In fact, if you engage what they discovered, the person who four or more times a week is in the word, the odds of giving into temptation, such as drinking excessively, viewing pornography, lashing out in anger, gossiping, cheating, lying, significantly decreases. Four more times a week. It will decrease a person's likelihood of struggling with bitterness, thinking negatively, if you will. It will significantly decrease them holding on to unforgiveness, not only to themselves as well as others, and feeling discouraged four more times a week. It produces a more proactive faith. They give financially. They memorize scripture. And they will share their faith with others if they're in the word four or more times a week. But I, but I have to share with you something that that's might, might really get personal here. They also found if a person only reads the Bible three or less times a week, I want again, I want you to catch this. The number one contributor to someone's spiritual growth is being in the Word of God, power of four, four or more times a week. If they're in the Bible three times or less, they couldn't find one difference in that person's life than that of a pagan, someone who doesn't believe in Jesus at all. Like there's nothing different about him. Three times, if you're in the Bible, three times a week, you're no different than a person, they say. They couldn't find one thing different they seem to hold on to bitterness. They seem to be angry. They seem to have an unforgiving spirit. They seem to gossip. They seem to lie. They cheat. Three times or less, they're just as prone to gambling, to pornography, drunkenness, lying, cheating, stealing, and having sex outside of marriage. But I, I, I looked at this and I thought, well, that, I get this. And maybe why God did something in the very act of creation. Seven days a week, three is less than half. But four is more than half. It's enough to tip the scale and make the change. The power of God's word, the single thing that they found in someone's life that makes all the change in the world. The study concluded, those who are serious about helping people grow in their relationship with Jesus need to carefully consider how they're investing their time in getting people to engage in God's word. 
and why our second value in our toolbox is God's word. We want to be kingdom-minded, not earthly-minded. This place is not worth investing in, and yet it's one of our greatest investments. How sad is that? Chase something we all know is temporal, thinking it will provide what it cannot, when the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ having a relationship with him. This is not my home. I'm spending very little time here. It's a scratch on the line of eternity. My home is in heaven, and we better start living like that could happen today. You might die. And since we, if heaven's going to be our home, as I said last week, then don't you think we should start loving like heaven now? But the second value in our toolbox is God's word. It's God's word. Because it's the game changer of everything. See, here's the deal, and I don't want you to miss this. Our life, your life, is nothing more than the byproduct of the press you read. Now, let me say it again. Your life, your marriage, your parenting, your work, everything in your life is nothing more but the fruit of what you choose to read. That's it. You're living out the press that you choose to read. We're all living it out, what we choose to listen to and believe. If you want to change your life, if you want to change your life, you have to start by changing the story you've been reading about yourself, about this world, and what it means for you to be in it. Amen. Amen. Let me say it another way. You got to flip the script. You got to flip the script. The scripture, script sure, T U R E, is God's script cure for your life. And that's not just a play on words. See, I, I want to I mess with you just a little bit. I do not read the Bible to grow, that's a biblical myth. Well, the Bible says where to grow. Yeah, in the knowledge, I do not read the Bible to grow. I read the Bible to know who I am. Better said, whose I am and what he has to say about me. I don't read it to grow. I read it to know. You see, our lives are not about who we are and what we can become. In fact, let me mess with you a little bit more. This is really going to mess with you. But see, I'm going to trust, I'm going to put it out there, and that you love God enough that you're going to start, if you will, researching it rather than getting your feelings hurt and walking out the door. Which, which I'm not afraid to say this. If, you, if that's how you live, you don't know him. You don't know him because you're walking around hurt and the cross was to remove all that and give you hope. <laughs> See, it's, it's that power of four. Those people just don't walk around bitter. They just don't walk around unforgiven. They just don't because the needle moves enough that they start learning who they really are and what God really did. God's word is the scripture. It's the script cure for your life. So here's that little thing. I'm gonna speak on it in two weeks. God does not want you and I to be successful. 
Well, it just goes against all the leadership books, doesn't it? But see, this isn't a leadership book. This is a lordship book. You can be a great leader and lose your whole entire life. But why would God want you to be successful when he already is? And if you start being successful, you're going to start believing your own press. Which is part of the problem in this country because we've been really successful, haven't we? See, we can do great things without God. We just can't do anything eternal. Which isn't success at all. You gain the whole world and lose your soul. See, that's the story of Babel. It almost appears that God is jealous. No, he's not jealous. He literally says, oh my goodness, if we don't mess this thing up, think of the things they can accomplish. And you go, well, why would God do that? Because he knows you and I can accomplish great things, but then we die and it all goes away. And so as an act of grace, he divides them and sends them out all over and tears the tower down because in grace he knows that what is to come is greater than anything you can do in the very moment. He doesn't want me to be successful. He already is. It's almost like saying it this way. Why would God want me to become water when he already is that living source? He just wants me to hook up to it and then it'll flow out. Success is in him. It's only in him. So our lives are not about who or what we become. Our lives are about whose we are and what we believe he says about that. See, let, let me show you. Abraham thought he was too old. Jeremiah thought he was too young. Moses thought he was unqualified. Joseph thought he was overqualified. Gideon had an inferiority complex. Jonah had a superiority complex. Peter made too many mistakes. Nathaniel was too cool for school. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And King David was the runt of the litter. Now you say, why do I say all that? Have you ever profoundly thought, what if they would have lived out what they thought was true about who they were? When God came along and said, Abraham, I'm going to do something to you. I'm just, no, I'm just the old man. Peter, I, I want to change, change the world with you. Man, I've just made too many mistakes. I remind you, even David's father thought he was nothing. And when the prophet came to anoint the next king, all of his children were lined up except David. Even his own dad thought he was worthless. What if David would have come in? Samuel's like, oh, you're the man. Oh, no, man. I'm always last picked on the, on, the, on the line, you know. No one wants me on the team. I, I don't have any talent. I'm nobody. And there's some of you in this room, if not the majority of you, it's exactly the lie you've been living. If you want to change your life, you've got to flip the script. 
You need the script cure that comes from the script sures. You ready for this? You're not the mistakes you've made. You're not the labels that others and even yourself have placed upon you. You're not the failure that you've been telling yourself over and over. You are who God says you are and anything other than that is a lie. That's why I read the Bible. I've been in the world enough that I have enough people, even God's people, who've told me who I'm not. I don't say that with defense. I've had enough of even God's people send me emails and letters. And you've had those too. But you're not that person. You're who God says you are. And anything other than that is a lie. And you've been living a lie. You've been living a lie. And today is your unbelievable God-anointed day because we're going to flip the script. We're going to flip the script. My Bible says anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. When you're in Christ, you get new thinking. You get new truth of who you are. That old stuff is gone. Devil, you can have it. The new has come. That's why I read. I want to know. If I know, I will grow. I want to know who I am. You know, A.W. Tozer says it this way, and I'm going to read it multiple times because I don't want you to miss this. Whatever comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Let me say it again. Whatever comes into your mind when you think about God is most important thing about you. One more time. Whatever comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. If you think God's mad at you, that's who you are. If you think God's down on you, that's who you are. If you think God is disappointed in you, that's who you are. But when you read the scripture and you read how much he loves you and adores you, guess what the most important thing about you is? You are the apple of his eye. You're what he loves more than anything else. He adores you. This is why we got to flip the script. This is why I read the word, because the more I know him here, the more it gets lived out here. You see how it works? Come on, finish it with me. Garbage in. You ready for this? God in, God out. That's what Jesus said. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. But Jesus was right. You know what your problem is? You know what your problem is? You don't know the scriptures. You don't know them. That's why we need to be in it four or more times a week. Did you know studies show that in this country alone, eight out of 10 American churchgoers don't even know 
one of the names of the four Gospels. Eight out of ten don't even know. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Don't even know those four names. Can't even name them. Someone goes, what are the four Gospels? They can't even name one. I don't say that to be disrespectful. But over half can't even name the town in which Jesus was born. Most think it's Jerusalem. 60% of American churchgoers can't even name five of the Ten Commandments. Many believe that Sodom and Gomorrah were lovers. And the epistles were the wives of the apostles. (laughs) Think about that. In fact, let's just play a little game, true or false. Tell me which of these are in the Bible. True or false, God helps those who help themselves. True or false? False. True or false, God works in mysterious ways. False. It's not in there. How about this one? We're all children of God. It's false. We're not. The Bible says only those who have the Spirit of God are children of God. We're not all children of God. But that's a fundamental issue in our world right now, isn't it? How about this one? True or false? Jonah was swallowed by a whale. It's false. Whale's not even in the Bible. Bible just says he was swallowed by a great fish. We made it a whale story. And boy, it's a whale of a tail. <laughs> and, and okay. All right. How about this one? True or false? God won't give you more than you can handle. You better believe it. He'll give you everything you can't handle. He just will never give you anything he can't handle. In fact, over and over in my life, God goes... He can't handle this. <laughs> and then he goes, ha, but if you'll trust me, you can't touch this. Okay. That was just stupid. Okay. Okay. So three keys. What I want to do is I want to give you three keys to God's word four or more times a week. So if you have your Bible, 2 Timothy 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is God's word. This is God's word. Now, I'm going to read it to you and watch this. I want everybody to stand up. Come on. I want everybody to stand up. Do you know why I want you to stand up? Because I don't want it to go over your head. (laughs) All right. Listen to God's word. Follow along if you will. This is 2 Timothy, God's word. Chapter 3, beginning the 14th verse. But you must keep on being faithful. You must keep on keeping on keeping on being faithful. The word faithful is where we get the word certainty. Fully convinced, no doubt. Keep on keeping on being faithful to the things you have been taught and have been convinced of. What are you convinced of? I think that's the problem. We're listening to the wrong press. People tell me, well, that's your opinion. I'm interested in your opinion. I'm not interested in my opinion. I'm telling what God's word says. And there's really little in it that we don't understand. Most of it, we just don't want to do. 
So we hide behind the very fact, well, that's your opinion. No, you're just looking for a justification. You got problems. You'll have problems. You must keep on with certainty to the things you have been taught and been convinced of. You know they're true. For you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you what? Wisdom. They've given you insight. They, they change your life. All Scripture. How much of it? All of it. You ready for this? Is inspired by who? God. I, I, that's not in question for me. People go, yeah, but man wrote it. Oh my goodness. Has anybody understood what a miracle is? That's where he takes foolish us and does the incredible immaculate with him. That's a story of our lives. All scripture is inspired by God and it's what? Useful. You can bank on it. Isaiah the prophet says, it'll never return void. Never. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Amen? Amen? You may have a seat. Four or more times a week, I want to give you three keys to unlocking God's word. And these are absolutely essential and they are in order. Here's step one. You've got to accept it as God's authority for your life. You have to accept it. You can't keep dancing around it. You can't keep playing the game. You've got to accept it. You've got to accept it as your authority. Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica. Look what he writes. We thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, and you accepted it. Would you circle the word received and the word accepted? When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, and you accepted it, not as the word of men, but actually as it is, the word of God. These two words, receive and accept, are the exact same word in the original language. Which is really important you catch this. Which means, if you don't accept it, you never received it. And you can't receive anything until you truly, fully accept it. I know people say... It's the difference from having a Bible and reading a Bible. You can have one. It doesn't mean anything. Think about this. It's the same in marriage. I know a lot of people that are married, but they're not married. Kay is my wife. I don't just receive the gift. I've accepted the gift. Warts and all. <laughs> Trust me. She's had to put up with a whole lot more than I've had to. <laughs> and she received and accepted me. Warts and all. God's word. Have you accepted it? Do you know what the word means to accept and receive? It means a welcomed guest. That's what it means. It means that, that, 
Not only are we excited about you coming over, but all the preparations we made. Have you ever had that person and you keep looking out the window to see if they're in the drive hoping they'll come early? It's that kind of guest. It's not the one where you hope they text and have to cancel. <laughs> like you can't wait for it to get there and then you don't want the evening to end. And your heart almost hurts when they go, well, listen, we've got to get going. And you're like, oh, man. It's like you almost want them to move in and stay with you. I know some of you are going, I don't know anybody like that. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you need is right here in this book. Everything you need in life. Four more times a week. It's like the traveler who is preparing for a trip. I love this story. When his friend came in and says, aren't you packed? I mean, come on, are you ready to go? He said, sure am. He said, I've got my guidebook and some good books. I have a lamp, a mirror, a microscope, and a hammer. I got a volume of fine poetry, a package of old letters, a songbook, and guess what? I'm bringing my sword. His friend looked at him kind of quirky and said, what in the world are you doing? You don't need all that. You can't take all that. And it won't fit in your suitcase. To which his friend said, yes, I do. Yes, I can. And yes, it will. And at that, he picked up his Bible and he put it in his suitcase. He said, let's get going. Everything you need is right in the word of God. Let's look back at what Paul just said. The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God. It is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. It's God's way of making us well prepared at every point, in everything, in every way. When you accept God's word as your authority, it is the foundation and the fabric by which you will build and live out in your life. We all have one. What is it? You ready for this? Let me be personal. My Bible is not part of my decisions that I make. It's the decision I make. See, I don't come to a decision and go, what does the Bible say? I read the Bible because it's already made all my decisions. It's, It's breath to my soul. It's food to my belly. It's just everything you need. I like what James McDonald said. When I accept God's word as my authority, when I accept it, it changes the direction of my heart, my mind, and my feet. It's God's offering of satisfaction for my every longing. Someone say amen. Amen. Step one, you've got to accept it as God's authority. You can't waver. Jesus said, can't have two gods. Pick one. You've got to accept it. Here's number two. You've got to absorb it. Once you accept it, you've got to absorb it as his truth for your life four more times a week. And you'll, you'll find this story cute. It's about a little boy who was flipping through the pages of their big family Bibles. Anybody have one of those? You know, big family Bibles from past times. Anybody have one of those? I, I, got, I, got, I got one that's mammoth. It's huge. Old King James. I, I think it's like six inches thick and big letters, and it's all that fancy, cool letter and all the artwork. Well, the little boy's flipping through it. As he is, 
an old tree leaf falls out. Now, I want to ask this. How many here have used books to press tree leaves? Okay, come on. You know what I'm talking about. So he's flipping through it, and out falls this tree leaf. And he holds it up, and he goes, Mama, Mama, look what I found. Intrigued, she knows really what it is. She says, well, what do we have there? With astonishment, he said, I think it's Adam's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my point. A closed Bible does nothing. There's no power in a closed book. But I guarantee you, if you'll open it up, you'll be amazed what falls out. And I can guarantee it'll be useful, it'll be helpful, it'll be eternal, and it'll change your life. You gotta want it. You gotta absorb it. And that brings me to three attitudes then. If we're gonna receive, if we're gonna let God let those things fall out that we really need to, you've gotta have an attitude, a proper attitude of absorbing God's word. And I just said the first one, you gotta want it. So you can accept it, but you gotta want it. Peter says, like a newborn baby, long for it. Want it. This pure milk of God's word so that by it you will grow. You know what he's really saying? You will know. That's what Paul says. He says, I know whom I believeth, and I'm convinced he's able. When you know what he says about you, game changer. It's a game changer. You've heard me say it before, and I'll just say it again. Anytime the devil walks up and tells you about your past, just tell him about his future, okay? Give him truth. The old's gone. The new's coming. In fact, in Job 23, do you know what he said? I want God's word more than food itself. I'd rather die of starvation and being in the word of God than just feast and not be in it at all. It's the game changer. You gotta want it, but not just want it. Here's the second attitude. You gotta welcome it. You gotta welcome it. In fact, let me, let me just play out this. If Warren Buffett called you today, you know, Warren Buffett, I like to call him Warren got a whole lot of money buffet, okay, all right? Warren Buffett called you and he says, hey man, I, I, I just have you on my heart, I wanna give you some financial advice. First of all, would you want it? Oh, okay, come on, you want it? Okay, would you welcome it, careful? Because his first words were, I'm going to give you some financial advice. I've done some research. You suck with money. W would you stop and go, whew, I'm so glad you called. Tell me, tell me what I need to do. Or you'd be like, who are you? Uh, it's Warren Buffett. I'm amazed some of the people who are in Shark Tank and how they speak back to the five sharks. I am amazed that people come in and go, it's your loss. You guys don't have a clue what you're talking about. The, the sharks aren't offended. I always find that interesting. Except the middle one. He always like, you're dead to me, man. <laughs> you know? What's his name? Like Mr. Yeah, that's it. Or whatever. But if Warren Buffett said that, 
You might say you want it, it's Warren Buffett, but if he was had to be critical first to tell you who you shouldn't be, would you really welcome it? See, I think it's part of the reason why some people don't want to read the word. They want to hear God tell them how great they are and all the great things they're doing and all of that stuff. They want all the warm fuzzies in life. This is iron that sharpens iron. If you want to grow up and be paper, that's your decision. I don't want to be paper. I'm not interested in that. I want iron. I want steel. I want that stuff that you can't penetrate. You got to welcome it. You got to welcome it. You see, James says it this way, receive and welcome God's word. It's one thing to receive it, but do you really welcome it? He goes on to say, for it contains the power to save your soul four more times a week. So you got to want it. You got to welcome it. But here's the third one. You got to work it. You got to work it. I want to read to you what Deuteronomy says. Moses writing in Deuteronomy. Here's what he says. He says, these commandments that I give you today, they're to be on your heart. They need to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down at night and when you get up the next morning. Notice he's saying, work it. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Work it. You got to want it. You got to walk them. Then work it, man, work it. If you care about your loved ones, give them something that matters. I, I don't want to leave my kids any treasure but this one. And yet I've done enough funerals to watch families fight over what mom and dad are leaving behind rather than what mom and dad were trying to pay forward. Wow. Gain the whole world. Good for you. Good for you. If you want to be in my will, let me know. You can have it. Good for you. I'd rather have you in heaven. And I think someday you'll want that. I, I do. You better figure that out now, though. Because when you breathe your last and you didn't settle that, you can't do anything about it. And there's a story in the Bible about the incredible rich man who's in hell looking across the divide at Lazarus. And if you know the story of Lazarus, he didn't gain the whole world. He gained his soul. And the rich man, Jesus, notice Lazarus can't see him. The rich man can see him. And the rich man says to Jesus, let me go back and tell my kids, I'd rather have my kids where Lazarus is than in hell with me. Amen. And Jesus says, no, no. Well, then send somebody. He goes, no, no. If they can't figure it out now with everything that's before them, they ain't never going to figure it out. And the man who gained everything would rather have his kids with Lazarus in glory than in hell with their father. How about you, dad? How about you, mom? How about you when it comes to your friends? 
four more times a week. Jesus said the seed that fell on the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who heard God's word and received it. They wanted it, they welcomed it, and they worked it out, and it produced a huge harvest. In Matthew, it says 30, 60, 100-fold. See, part of, part of God's word and working out is you gotta cultivate the soil. You gotta fertilize it so it'll grow up and be everything that God wants it to be. So you've got to, what, accept it? You've got to absorb it? Here's step three. You have to apply it. You've got to apply it. And may I add, if your life depends upon it, because it does, you've got to apply it. D.L. Moody said this, the Bible wasn't given to us to increase our knowledge, as in just cerebral. The Bible was given us to change our lives that we would know who God says we are so we can go in the world and live that out because it'll just happen. Nothing changes unless you put something in motion. You all know that. You can start out every year and go, I'm gonna lose weight and I'm, I'm telling, those are all gone by now. You all know that, right? It's February, that diet went out the door because it doesn't mean anything. Words mean nothing except Jesus says, you'll be accountable for every careless one you said. Not just what you said to others, but the lies you told yourself. You'll be accountable. James 1 says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Then God will bless you. Then God will bless you. See, here's what I truly believe. Nothing excites God more than when his people are not only delighting in his word, but they're doing it. And they don't even know they're doing it. When did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? We're going to talk about that in two weeks when we look at our fourth value. I can't wait to talk about it. But I, I want to I help you with something. I'm going to invite the team to the stage. I have a 2021 dare. You remember those dares? Well, this is that triple dog, okay? All right? This is, that, this is the big boy. And, and I, I, I'm fearful. I hope you don't tune me out because I'm going to start with something. And I'm going to say, ah, I, I, what I'm about to tell you is going to change your life. What if we all got into a life group? Now, I know, oh, I don't have time for that. Well, there's your problem. What, what, if, you, what if we all got into one? But not a Gabby group or a gossip group but a God group. Let me help you with it, okay? See, a Gabby group are those people that come up to me and go, oh man, our life group is great. Why was your life group great? Oh man, we, we, just, we, we had a plan, but we started showing pictures of our kids and, and our grandkids and stuff, and we taught, man, it was just great. We're, just, we're getting so close, and I just want you to understand something. Pictures of your kids aren't gonna save my life. That's a Gabby group. And believe it or not, your kids become a distraction because life doesn't change until you open up the word of God, not your photo album. Do we need some of that? Yeah, take about five minutes and then get to why we gathered. But I know groups, that's all they do. They don't even open up God's word. They take some Max Licato book, you know, and, and they start pulling it apart. But they never open up the word. They just never open it up. I love Max Cato. I own every one of his books. Every time one comes out, I read it. In fact, I have a very close friend who's best friends with Max Cato. 
But Max Licato didn't die on the cross for my life. Even though I learn from books, I don't let books be the scripture. I want the scripture to be scripture. I read tons of books, loads of books. Many of you know I try to read one once a week. I'm probably reading about three a week right now. It's just been crazy. I just can't get enough right now. Don't send me books, okay? Because <laughs> right? if you do, let me tell you the ones I want, okay? <laughs> then you, you buy them. Um, we don't need Gabby groups. You don't need gossip groups either because I know groups that do that. In the name of Jesus, they talk about people who aren't present. And I, I don't, you might want to open up the word and, and learn what God says about that. Who the heck are you anyway? I mean, why don't you proceed it and say, before I tell you how people have hurt me, I want to tell you that I am Christ. People are going to hurt you, but you've hurt people. And you don't like it if they're talking about you, just quit talking about them. That's why Jesus says, talk about people the way you want them to talk about you. We've got to stop that stuff. We don't need Gabby and gossip groups. We need God groups where the word is open. But watch this. Not always in an agreeable manner or even in an argumentative manner. Because I know people that come to group and they're, they're, just, they're not interested in listening. They're coming gun loaded. And, and I, I'm, I'm not kidding you. They're so interested in knowledge to argue with someone and defend something rather than just focusing on how they're coming more like Christ. I mean, there's something wrong with that. I mean, I know there's people out there, man, I don't know if I agree with the pastor said. Look what the Bible says. And they're, they're not doing it to grow. They're doing it because they just want to be right. I, I don't, I'm not trying to, I'm not being weird when I say it. We like to plant churches. We'd love to plant with you. And so when you stand up, everybody in your church is going to agree with you. I don't want everybody to agree with me. I'm not trying to make you disciples of Keith. I want you to be disciples of Christ. I'm okay, but can't we still be agreeable on Jesus even though we might disagree on some things of what the Bible says? I think God encourages that because it's in our disagreements we find out if we're really unified in the message we want the world to know. She so said, I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. I have people write me and I'm like, you know, that's a great, I, mean, I wrote them back and said, that's a great, th I never thought of that. I didn't see that verse. And, and they're like, oh, and I had one person say, well, I thought you were the pastor. I thought you knew them all. I said, are you kidding me? I said, can I ask for forgiveness? I somehow gave you that impression. I keep reading the Bible. Has anybody read the Bible lately? And they're like, I never saw that before. Welcome to my life, okay? Man, but that's the joy in it. But what if we came not always agreeable or argumentative, but like we have the treasure map and I'm gonna come together in my life group because we know that the treasure is out there and this is gonna lead us to that treasure. What, what, if, we, what if we did that? And then let me give you quickly four tips that will help in this 2021 dare, whether you're in a life group or even the weekend services. I'm gonna give you four real quick. Come early. Now, I know some, some you might not be able to and stuff, but I'm encouraging you, if you can, come early. Here's why. There's no way you can prepare your mind and heart when you're in motion. By coming early and letting your heart settle down. And by the way, you might even find people who can pray with you. 
You open yourself up ready for God to speak. But sometimes like, okay. I mean, it's, it's just, well, it's, I think it's, the, it's, it's like the peanuts. I think God's up here going, wah, 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 okay, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's your whole life. It's just as you are, you're like a little dog, man, just hungry. We have a dog. They ain't man's best friend. I'm its best friend. Man, that dog don't even like me unless I got food. You know what I mean? All right? So come early. This one is going to bother some, but come every week. Now, I know, I know you always can't, but I want you to listen to this very carefully. I think too many of God's people make their personal lives more important than God's holy church. I hear it all the time. According to the Bible, what we do together is far more important than what you'll ever do in isolation or apart. Think of others more important than yourself. Let the first be last. If you want to be a leader, you need to be servant first. The I can't say the foot, I don't need you. I can show you over and over. See, I want to encourage you to have a mindset. I'm going to cover it. Nothing's more important. Now, yeah, we got a family vacation coming up. But man, some of you, I've said it before. I want your job because you like have vacation half a year. You know what I mean? I, I want to have that. But what if we had that attitude, if unless, unless, unless someone died or, or we're on vacation, you can count on me. I'm coming early, I'm coming every week, but here's the third one, come expectant. Come expectant. Now let me explain what that looks like. You pray all week that God is gonna speak to me. Like I, I'm not even a show of hands. I wonder how many of you prayed this week, God, give Pastor Keith a word for me. And then you come expectant that God is going to answer your prayer. But I'm going to warn you, in our world, especially today, come expectant, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to hurt more first as a way of encouragement. Like I'm going to guess that most I'm going to say up here, if God's going to speak to you, you may not want to hear. Which brings me to the final attitude, come energized come eager. So you come early. I got to call my heart. I'm going to come every week so everybody can count on me. So there's consistency. I'm going to come expecting, going to pray all week, and I'm just going to believe that God's going to speak. So I'm going to come energized. I'm going to come eager. I think this attitude alone is so important because when you were a kid going to school and they were going, Hey, you excited about school? You didn't get nothing. But I, I just, one of the things I love about my 10-year-old, I wish, she is so smart. She's just so smart. I mean, she's just brilliant. She loves to read, which is one of the things I just love watching. She just consumes books. She's always wanting to read. It's just so awesome. I was like, man, baby, that's one of the best things that, oh, I just love it. So I like it that she sees me reading a lot, right? And so we're, we're like, because, I mean, she's so smart, we read the same books, picture books. And so um, I... <laughs> People go, that's how people go, how do you read a book a week? Lots of more picture books, okay? But, but I, I, I want you to hear this. I go, sweetie, you excited about school? Yeah. She loves her teacher, which by the way, teachers, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're one of the heroes, and if COVID taught us anything, you're not paid enough. You're not. I know some of you are going to write me and say, you need to tell the school system that. 
I do. Trust me on that. I do. I, I, I don't say with any disrespect. There's a lot of people in this world right now, we're paying way too much. And there's teachers that aren't paid enough at all. Thank you. Thank you. From one dad, one parent, thank you. I'm indebted. My little girl loves going to school. And because of that, she's, it's just growing because she's receptive. And she comes home and tells us stories about what her teacher is doing and some of those things. I just love it. Come early. Let your heart prepare. Come every week. Develop consistency. Come expectant. Come energized. Come eager. And God will speak in amazing ways. After weeks of fruitless effort, the oldest delegate rose up. Addressing the room, he said, the small progress we have made after four or five weeks is melancholy proof of the imperfections of human understanding. I have lived a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth. God governs the affairs of men. Then citing from the Bible, he added, if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire can rise without his aid. We have been assured, my friends, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this, that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in political building no better than the builders of Babel. Those words came from an 81-year-old Benjamin Franklin. Upon the conclusion of those words, a group of men came together and formed our nation's constitution. A constitution which saddens my heart that Satan has entered a lot of people's mind who've made it say what it didn't say. But a constitution doesn't save a nation. These words do. These words will. They change your life. Seven days a week, three or less, doesn't make a difference. But four or more, and it's enough to tip the scales. And your life will begin to change. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. So you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Notice the success comes from God as we attach ourselves to him. Four or more times a week. Father, I love your word. And yet I can't even begin to understand the love that you have for me when you wrote it. But there was nothing in it to hinder my life, to harm it, but to give me a future and a hope. Your word, my authority, and it comes down, will I accept it as such? Will I trust it? Will I absorb the truths, seeking to understand it, having others in my life that I need? It's one of the things I love about my life group. 
looking at your word, letting different people share thoughts, talking and going, wow, that's a great way to say that. I never saw that before. And then putting it into my feet that I would walk no other way. Will we right now settle the issue? It doesn't mean we have to understand it. I don't even understand it all. I'm growing in that. But that's because I want it. I welcome it. And I'm working it out. God, I pray for everyone here right now. They say, God, I, I don't. But right now, I want your word to be my authority. I accept it. But I really believe Getting into a life group is so important, setting it aside, but Satan's going to do everything he can to keep us running, to keep us panting, to keep us breathless, to keep us walking, chasing things that cannot satisfy. Two simple things in my life, being daily in your word and weekly sharing that with others. Game changer. It's changed my life. God, I pray that right now people are going out. It's my authority. I'm settling the issue. What an awesome God you are. And everybody says, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.